I want to take you to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. A lot of people love Proverbs. Proverbs is a good book. I love it too. I've read it many times over. But I, I'm, I'm kind of a special toward Ecclesiastes. I love the book of Ecclesiastes because it is also written by Solomon. And it's got some powerful things in it. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. He says, two are better than one, because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. That right there is a good reason why. I can give you a million other reasons. A lot of people asking, why do I need the church? That's one reason right there why you need the church. Hallelujah. Woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Go ahead. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Lord, as we come today, we thank you for what you've already done in this house. We could at this point, and many times like I have, we could say amen and go home right now because it's, all, it's been so powerful. But God, I know how you have shaken me on this word that is built to propel this congregation forward into what you want us to be in the future. So I pray for the next few minutes, God, you will kindly trust me with the hearts of every person that's in the building, that I may instill within that heart the precious truth that you have given me today. And everything's accomplished. We will give you the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to speak to you today on a subject titled, United We Stand. If you'll take notice of that picture there, all those people there holding hands, everybody don't have the same strength. Everybody don't have the same ability. There are some that is sitting, but standing together, standing together makes all the difference in the world. I want to give you a story that happened. And I took it as being true that happened one time long ago in, this, in the introduction of this message. 
There, there one time was this old man. And because of age, he had become very ill. And he was actually on his deathbed. And this old man had four sons who were always fighting. There's nothing new about that. Brothers and sisters are going to fight. Huh. Kind of like what Brother Jonathan said last night. It was kind of like, you know how, how it is. I mean, uh, you, can, uh, you can beat up one of your brothers or sisters, but ain't nobody else better try it. Uh, but these, these young men were going beyond the norm. They were doing everything they could to try to hurt somebody. My mother's side of the family, they was a very rough bunch. Uh, I can remember being pulled out of the bed five or six year, years old, taken to somebody on my mother's side of the family. I can remember for one of the brothers when we was getting there, uh, his, shirt, his shirt laying over here uh, uh, torn off and uh, just soaked in his own blood for where another one of his brothers stabbed him. And though that side of the family was like that, and, and the reason why it made him like that, they would always get to drinking, and uh, some people will, will go on what you call when they get drunk, they'll go, I call it they go on a crying drunk, they cry, cry, cry. But these wasn't like that. When these got to drinking, you better get out of the way because they started fighting. And this old man in this story, and I found this more or less cartoon picture that kind of showed it. This, uh, like I said, this is supposed to have been a true story. They went beyond, and they were always doing everything they could to hurt one another. Um, and so he was on his deathbed, and this man was worried about his children, and he wanted to teach them a lesson. And he asked his sons to come to him one day, and when they came, this old man gave them a bundle of sticks. And he says, I want each one of you to try and see if you can break this bundle of sticks. Well, the first one stepped up. He grunted and spit and carried on, did everything he could, but he couldn't break the, that bundle of sticks. Nothing happened. He finally gave up. Then another one did the same thing, tried his luck. Nothing happened. He, uh, he thought it would be an easy task, but he soon gave it up. Tried his best to break the bundle of sticks, but nothing happened. They went on to the third son, got the bundle. Uh, he couldn't do nothing. And then, but the youngest son was kind of sly. And he was sitting over there jeering at his older brothers, and he knew exactly what he was going to do. He, he was thinking about how incompetent his older brothers was. But when the bundle of sticks was given to him, uh, he, uh, he, he slid one stick out from the bundle, snapped it like a twig. Then another one snapped. 
One by one, until he finally broke each and every one of them, something that his older brothers could not do. As the dad lay there in the bed, he began to smile at his son and say, Boys, do you understand what happened today? He said, it's always easy to break the sticks one by one. But when they are bundled together, none of you could break them. He said, in the same way that you brothers should always, you should be together and not fight one another or compete with one another, but always stand with one another. He said, because if you stay bundled, no one will ever hurt you. No one will ever be able to take you down. Those four brothers realized what their father was saying on his deathbed that day, and they took it to heart, and they lived in unity from that day on. Having told you that story, I want to remind everybody that next month, on the 12th, I believe it is, Sunday the 12th, Christ Family Church will be celebrating its 68th year homecoming. Now, I think we all will agree that God has brought this body of believers a mighty long way. Our church has always been known for its love and caring spirit and attitude. And many still today who enter our doors for the first time still tell some of us how they feel the experience of those qualities of love and caring by everybody that is here. And I'm proud of that as a pastor, and you ought to be proud of that. But also as a pastor, as much as lies within me, since 1991, I was put in place as the pastor I've always desired to stand before you and minister at the point of our need. Many times I've taken the chance of people getting hurt and upset and mad with me over something I knew the Holy Ghost was telling me to say. There's been a lot of message I've preached behind the desk that personally I did not want to preach. But I have a higher mandate. So I tried to minister to the point of our need. With that in mind, I must tell everyone that the struggles and the hardships that we have faced as a body has weakened the strength and the quality of unity that we once had. We've got unity. We've seen some blessings. But during the two years after the church far, we became splintered 
and there were even small factions begin to form within the body which caused rifts and spirits of distrust and other things which began to eat away like a cancer at that unity of the body. And the situations that we have experienced are not the fault of one person or any small group within the body. There's nobody to blame for that. But I want to tell you, I understand, and I believe God knows and understands, it was because of the fears, uncertainty, and tremendous amount of pressure felt from the pastor on down to every member of the body. It's a miracle and amazement that we sit here still together today. We met together as board members for years and years and had no kind of rifts. But there was one particular board, board meeting that I left when we was at FAC, and I think the board members that, that, that was on it at the time know what, what, when I left that meeting, I had, no inter- I had no intentions of coming back as pastor of a church. I, I had let myself get beyond myself. If I expect you to repent and be honest, I have to start within myself. I had repent over that. I loved every one of those men with the bottom of my heart, and I would die for every one of them. But I allowed the devil to enter me because of the pressure that I was going under from what this church was going through. And if there's anybody to blame, if there's anybody to get mad at, we need to get mad at the enemy, which is the devil, because he has tried to destroy this church ever since 1948 because we got something special that many churches ain't never had and honestly never will have. Yeah, I told him, McCoy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I say, the point of this, we must all understand that Satan has hated the church. And the fire was only one of many ways in our 68 years of history that he has tried to take us out. But praise God, we are still standing. Hallelujah. And doing all we can to save all we can and defeat the power which works to destroy churches, homes, and lives. That's why the devil wants to stop what CFC stands for. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, my man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Bear with me. Hallelujah. But now, not only this church, but every church who loves the Lord. Brother Jonathan talked last night about how the the body of Christ and the people of God has always been under pressure. 
But there's something about that pressure, Brother Travis. So not only this church, but every church who loves the Lord and stands for what's right has a more formidable adversary than what we have ever known in this country. The tribulation of the saints is not coming. Do you hear me? The tribulation of the saints is not coming. It has arrived. And from now on, as I said earlier, no matter who wins the election of the church of Jesus Christ, we'll have to do battle and we will have to fight for every inch of ground that we advance forward to. There ain't nothing going to come easy. Do you hear? If you're going to do something for God, if you're going to achieve something, if you're going to see a family member saved, you're going to have to get in there and fight tooth and toenail because we are entering in a period, amen, unprecedented, amen, from what the church has ever seen or known because this is end-time scenario. Hallelujah. So listen to me. The anointing is important. The word is important. But the strength, we need not to be broken. And this what God and the Holy Ghost travailed so much within me as he was giving me this word. Because we respect the anointing around here. Hallelujah. What we've seen a few minutes ago verifies that. We respect the word of God and those who stand to declare it. So the anointing is important. The word is important. But God shook me to my very core. And he told me, do not from now on Depend just upon the anointing to carry your church. Do not depend no more because we are moving into a new dimension and season of time for the church. Do not depend totally just upon the word because the strength that you will need not to be broken is in your willingness to unite and join the bundle just like the sticks in our story because if you attempt to fight the battle which has already begun on your own you will be broken what are you saying I'm saying united we stand listen church even the lone ranger was not alone he had Tonto. <laughs> Glory. And you need the added strength of your brother and sisters in Christ to keep you safe, sound, and whole in this end time struggle we are only beginning to see right now. 
If you think we need one another in the past, you ain't seen nothing yet, sweetheart. We're going to depend on one another. Amen. As this thing closes in on us like a vice. Oh, hallelujah. From every direction and every end. More people are doing what the Bible predicted 2,000 years ago. The Bible said they'd be cutting their heads off. What are they doing to Christians right now? Even children. Our strength is going to be in our unity. That's what God wants me to tell you today. I feel closer to the family of God than I do my natural family. And that's the way it ought to be. Because the body of Christ has got a special kind of blood that connects it. <laughs> It's royal blood. <laughs> oh, glory. It's sinless blood. Hallelujah. It's the blood of God. Let me, let me give you this. The first thing I want to share is Jesus understood the power of two. He understood the power of two. When Jesus was training and equipping the ministry... He was forming in his day. He never, look at your neighbor and say never. He never sent them out alone. You understand that? They always went by twos. Why in the world is apostolics, amen, God, my Lord, help us, hallelujah. How in the world is so many apostolics, uh, glory to God, got that many out here running on their own? Jesus understood the power too. And when he sent people out, he never sent nobody out alone. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 is only one of many. I can't give you all of them, but let me read this one. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out. What? Two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Church, there's strength in unity. Look at somebody say there's strength in unity. Yes. Yes, you got the Holy Spirit in you. I, I believe that. I agree with that. Yes, you know how to plead the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Thank God for that. But you also need someone down in the trenches of warfare with you to help watch each other's back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, it's kind of like that movie, Boss Band of Brothers or whatever they call it. Lord of God, you want somebody with you in the trenches? Lord of God, that ain't harboring some ill will against you. Because you're looking one way, you want to make sure you got a buddy that's willing to die looking the other way. He's got your back. Where are we at today? The church, we're, we're in the spiritual trenches. Hallelujah. We just beginning to fight. The forces that's coming against. The brother talked some about that last night. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Thank God we got the Holy Ghost, each one of us. Thank God we know how to plead the blood. But beside that, we still need somebody that we can count on down in the trenches of warfare that's going to watch our back because the powers, listen to me, the powers that we are up against today, and they, they are the same powers which will lead the whole world into the final battle of Armageddon. That's what this is all about. Violence, blood being shed on the street, riots breaking out. It's all boiling up to one thing, the battle of Armageddon. I need you. And whether you like it or not, you need me. Hallelujah. It's kind of like a little cartoon cartoon thing I see pop up on Facebook every now and then. And I may I may miss up the exact words of it, but it goes something like this. Uh, I'm happy that you are my sister, and I laugh because you can't do nothing about it. <laughs> Glory to God. You know what? I'm thankful that if I get myself in a bind or fix, there's some people in this building right here that will burn a midnight oil for me. There are people in this building that will get on their knees and they will pray for you and they will call out God for you during times that you might not be able to pray for yourself. That's what I'm talking about. That's the unity of the body. That's the strength of the bundle of sticks. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, church. The early church, the apostle, the apostolic church that we claim to be descendants of today Do you realize that they continued the same example that Jesus left them when Jesus first sent them out two by two? It didn't change after they got the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the Holy Ghost back then when he first sent them out. But even after they got the Holy Ghost, there was a principle there that Jesus had taught them that they continued, that they never stopped. And that is why the early church, beginning with 120, was able to turn the whole wide world upside down. Oh, glory to God. Let me give you that example by Scripture. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter, all by his lonesome. Now Peter told John, you stay here. I'm going to go over and do something for God. I don't need you with me. No. Now Peter told John, I got a calling of God on my life, and I don't think my call, I think my calling's a little greater than your calling, so I'm going to go on without you. No. Now Peter and John 
went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. And fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, Look at me. Huh? Oh, it don't say look at me. How many we got so how come we got so many people in church that always want to point to themselves? How come we got so many preachers want to say, look at me? Huh? You see, could it be one reason why we ain't seeing nothing of the and the healing and the dead folks being raised like it did in the first century? That we still got too many walking around trying to do it all by themselves? Thinking that their power is greater than somebody else's, their anointing is greater than somebody else's? Let me tell you something. I'm a preacher. I've been called. That was, that's my calling. But you know what? My Holy Ghost is no better, no more powerful than what yours is. Hello, somebody. That last time I read my Bible, the Bible says there's only one spirit. By one spirit were you all baptized into one body. ha <laughs> And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Oh, glory to God. Look at us. You see, Peter didn't try to build a kingdom for himself. Peter wasn't interested in his own earthly ministry. Peter didn't go up to the temple. Bear with me now. Peter didn't go up to the temple at the hour of prayer and see a lame man sitting there. Brother Paul, he said, hey, I'm going to leave John back. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going I'm, I'm to heal this man, and I'll have my own ministry show on TBN next week. That wasn't the way that they operated. They were all together and had all things common. I believe you read a little further and actually said they all didn't nobody call even what they owned their own. They shared everything alike. Amen? Hallelujah. So, point two. The task we face is too great. I'm going to try to get through here real quick now. Follow me, but this... But latch a hold of this word because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt God gave me this for this day. And nobody's here by happenstance today. Everybody that's in this building, God wanted you to hear this word. I want to talk briefly about the task that we're facing today. People of God, as I've already said, have always known adversity and hardship. There's nothing new about that. 
Pastor Jonathan gave us a powerful word last night about the Israelites being in bondage by Pharaoh and about how the more that they suffered, the more that they grew. Man, I, I love that analogy he gave last night. I never preached it like that, never thought about it last night. The, the, uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh, all day long they beat and kicked and smacked the Israelites put taskmasters over them, beat them with sticks and whips, tried their best to warm them down so he could rid himself of them. But like what Brother Jonathan spoke last night, the Israelites didn't allow what hit them in the day to affect them in the night because they still multiplied and they grew. Hallelujah. The words that he said, they didn't let their pain and their suffering affect their intimacy. Church, let's not waste all of our time tell, talking about how bad, amen, Washington is doing and about who's going to use what bathroom and all of that kind of stuff. Let's, in the nighttime that we're living, let's continue to multiply. Let's show the devil that we're people of God. Hallelujah. Lord, I might not be able to change what happens to me, but I can, I can change how I react to it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I can keep my spirit right. I can keep my attitude right. And I can still love by the help of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? The task we face is far too great. Church in this hour and at this time, turning quickly into the culmination of all the dark forces which has ever fought the church in every history prior. My God, listen to me. This is not going to end. What we have seen recently and all the laws passed against us, against the liberty and the freedoms that we hold dear, Lord, this thing is not going to end until the Antichrist and his henchmen rule the whole world and every freedom and every liberty taken away. There will look to be a day in New York Harbor that people who go there will not see the Statue of Liberty standing no more. The Bible lets us know that. This world is going for a world dictatorship and a new world order that's without God, that's without freedom, that's without liberty, and that's what all this stuff is beginning to build to right now. It ain't going to change. Oh, does that really sink into our heads? Does it really sink in? If it does, then you need to learn that the church doesn't need any attempted heroics by some spiritual superheroes running all alone and trying to take this thing on. Just you and Jesus. <laughs> Even with Jesus, some things are too difficult by yourself. This is a different day. 
this is a different hour. There was a more mightier man than anybody in the house today tried to do it all alone. And he failed miserably. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. Moses was trying to handle two and a half million people all by himself, just him and God. First off, when you try to do that, you begin to try to put yourself on the level with God. Because let me tell you something. There's a, there, there, there's, and, and I, 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 I believe when I say that, I believe I'll get a grin out of Brother Wayne because I believe, I believe he'll, he'll see this that many people overlook. Everybody talks about Moses' transgression and how he didn't get to go on the promised land because he, he disobeyed God and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. That's true, but the transgression started before he struck the rock because when he stood before the people, he said, Must we fetch you water? He had done tried to do it all himself for so long Moses was putting himself on the same level as God. Think about that, folks. Oh, God, I don't want to never do that. I'll never come. My, my Lord, I ain't going to. My Lord. Hallelujah, man. Oh, God, keep me humble, God. Hallelujah. I want to stay humble. Hallelujah. Boy, I don't want to never think I'm too good not to stoop down and wash anybody's feet if I have to. Do you hear what I'm saying? Must we fetch you water? He was trying to do it all. When you try to do it on yourself, just you and Jesus, or you and God, one of the dangers is when you do have some accomplishments, then you begin to think, hey, you know, you're on, you're on up there. You're right there. You have arrived. But Moses' father-in-law saw what was going on. And this is the advice Moses' father-in-law come to give to Moses. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear themselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. You need God. Do you hear me? You need your brother and sister in Christ. We can't do that. We can't fight all the enemy alone. If we try, we'll ever wind up like Moses. We have looked in, Brother Jeff, we have looked into the promised land when we got the Holy Ghost. 
But I wonder how many people who at one time got the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues are going to be lost when it's over with. Think about it. Those are people who's looked into the promised land but didn't get to really go, Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Church, I'm trying to wind down. We got a victory to be won. Souls are at stake. And God never has and never will just send you out into the battle because we need to defeat not just hundreds of devils, but we got thousands of devils in this day. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8. Five of you shall chase a hundred. That's pretty good. That's five people of God right there. I'll let you know how much power God's people got. Five can chase a hundred. But Lord of mercy, look at what it, how it finishes. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemy shall fall by the sword before you. Sounds like to me we need to love to get together. Sounds like to me we need to unify and we don't let nothing, uh, uh, whatever we're going through, uh, if it's a struggle, if it's a hardship, if it's a pain, we need to always remain focused. Uh, brother Travis, uh, I, got, I can't never forget that I need you, brother. Hallelujah. I might have been fighting a battle long, longer than you. Hallelujah. But we're serving the same God, and God is no respect of person, and your prayer for someone is just as important to God as mine is. And every bone in the body carries significance. Everybody carries significance, not just the people that's on this platform. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, <coughs> in conclusion, I'm going to tell you one thing, how we can achieve this, and then we're going to close and go home. Found in the book of Amos, the prophet, of Amos, uh, prophet Amos asked a question in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? I remember Brother Hale telling me that, giving me, quoting me that scripture one time many years ago. I was real young, and God was still directing me on a lot of things in which I'm still being directed and still being taught. You, you don't never learn it all in this life. Can you say amen? And uh, I just didn't understand that. I, I don't even remember what it was about. I don't even know what the scripture about. <laughs> Oh, Brother Hale, in his way, the way he looked at me, the way he talked, he said, Brother Sam, yeah? Praise God. He, says, he said, how can anybody walk together unless they can agree? If we're going to be in the bundle, we've got to be in agreement. We got to be in agreement. In order 
to bundle our sticks together and come together as one, we got to drop. I'm going to tell you, this, this is not easy to do. God's been dealing with me lately, and I have come a little ways. I've got a long ways to go, and I am, God is my witness. I'm trying, I'm doing, trying my best. But if we're going to be in the bundle, we got to all drop our little pet peas and isms, all our desires to play first fiddle in the band, and even those little beliefs which we go around nursing like babies, which have nothing to do with salvation. My Lord, how many times in Pentecost has some upstart preacher get a wild hair over one particular scripture that don't even have anything to do with salvation, and he causes a split in in a church, and he goes down the road somewhere and starts his own church with a handful of people. Ain't never done nothing and never will do nothing for God. Because God's not in splits. He's in multiplications. Hallelujah. <laughs> a lot of you, especially the old ones, and, and those of us who are connected family-wise, you, you know quite a bit what happened, happened to us in the first church that I pastored when we, we went to, to Bowling Green. God blessed that. And I was told something last night that made my heart bleed. The pastors had a meeting after the service and told us about future fellowship meetings and things are going to change. And, and the church that I pastored had gone through so many other preachers simply because they're not, they're not willing to do what I'm preaching about here today and forget about some isms and decisions and who's going to run the show. And they put souls at stake. Now finally the last pastor, and we've had him here, and, I've, I'll, and he called me before he came and asked, asked me some questions, and I told him, I'm, it's pitiful. If they would obey God back in the 80s, there would be a church in Bowling Green, Kentucky right now that would be bigger than FAC in Nashville. The church had 75 members when we took over as pastorship, and in six months, I've never seen a growth. We have, we, have, we, have, we have been here for all these years, and we've never grown, grown like this. In six months' time, I stepped on the platform, and I was preaching to 150 people. And a few handful of people who's always had a death grip on that church, that no matter who come in and who was being touched, who was being set free, who was being delivered, they was determined they was going to run the show. And guess what now? I was told last night that everybody's gone, and it's only down to that one family. And Brother Shoulders looked at Brother Penrod, because Brother Penrod, he is the presbyter of Kentucky. He says, you watch out. He said, because that family 
is going to be putting a for sale sign upon a church and try to sell it and pocket the money. He says, you let me know when that sign goes up. He says, we're going to take care of that business. Let me tell you something, folks. This is God's kingdom. It's not man's kingdom. And when we start thinking about anything else but souls, we're thinking about the wrong thing. I'm going to tell you something. I can sit back on that pew and I can be the best little saint than any pastor ever had. I don't have to be up here to be happy. And I did, I, I've told you this before, I did not want this. When we went back, to, we, we, when we left up there, I'd done, been, I'd done been hurt so much by people I'd poured myself out to. I was determined I was never going to pastor again. I said, I, I was evangelist for 20 years, and I, we did great preaching revivals, tent revivals. And there, there are people all over the country that's got churches now and everything that got saved back in those days when I was a teenager. I'd be tickled to death to still be doing that. But why I'm here, it's not because of me. I know I'm where God has placed me. Hallelujah. It ain't about me. It's not about you, but it's about the kingdom of God. So if we're going to be able to come together in agreement, we got to drop our little pet peas and all these little beliefs that we nurse like babies. It's got nothing to do with salvation so the body of Christ can walk together in agreement. What agreement are you talking about, Brother Sammy? Hallelujah. We got to walk in agreement that Satan's kingdom must fall and Jesus Christ is Lord of all. If you believe that, give him a hand clap. Now we're going to do something as we end this service. And God spoke this to me. So I'm asking you to be obedient to the Spirit of the Lord. Now, everybody, we all, we kind of blend in with certain kind of people. Not that we hate somebody else, or to, but you know, some people you enjoy to be, uh, be around. Maybe you got the same likes or dislikes or what have you. But, but as a church, this church is not, even though that we've got three or four families of people here, this church has never considered itself made up of families. There's only one family, that's the family of God. There's a whole world of churches been split up out there because over families in the church, and people were more loyal to blood than he was the Spirit of God. Hello, somebody. Lord of God. I love I, I love my I love my natural family, but I ain't gonna let my I ain't gonna let my natural family the decisions they make they make. They make on them their own. I pray for them. I will counsel them if I have to. Hallelujah. But I've got one loyalty, and that's to Jesus Christ. 
And some of you old ones right here, no, I'm not just I'm not just puffing here because I've set my own family and children off the pulpit over things in the past. I'm not loyal to nobody but Jesus Christ. And this is what God instructed me. I want us all to stand. I don't want nobody. And please, right now, somebody go back there and get the people that's in the children's church to bring them in here. I want you to stand by somebody that normally, maybe, and not 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 that there's any, not not saying that there's any kind of ism between you and them, or nothing like that. It just falls that way that maybe you just don't you don't talk to them as much as you do somebody else in the church. I don't want I don't want you up here standing with somebody that you normally stand with. Obey the Spirit and God in this. God told me to tell you this. I searched through, hopefully find, to find a song. And the Lord let me to, allowed me to find it. And they're going to be playing it, putting that song up, a video. And I want us to join together. And I want us to commit ourselves as the family of God. Look around. It looks good from where I'm sitting. Yeah, we still got a few empty, but man, we, I don't know how many is here this morning, but man, God has blessed us tremendously since, since we've been here. And it ain't stopped yet. Hallelujah. I was born at night, but not last night. I know God's going to do something with these group of people. I know it. We got to get in the bundle. We got to do what we have and what we're good about doing. And let God use us. So, right now, everybody stand together. I want everybody to gather around up front. And let me. And while, while you come on, start. And do not stand with somebody you normally stand with. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe. Let me share one one more thing with you before we do this what God has told me to have you to do. Make sure that we're all together. I don't want nobody back. I want everybody up here. I believe, I believe everybody here has got a, just a little bit of faith in Brother Flannery's anointing. From time to time, just when I need it the most, early in the morning I'll get a text from him and say, Brother, I got you on my mind today. I got a text from Brother Flannery this morning. 
while I was sitting in the office travailing over this message. He said, Brother Pruitt, for some reason, I am praying a prayer covering over you and your whole church today. Look what kind of outpouring we had in the worship. Everything that's happened, everything that's been said, has been ordained by God. Now, you just obey the Lord and the rest of this till I say you're dismissed. We're going, this right here is the first day of a new beginning. I don't care how we're going to struggle and fight. I don't care what the trials we're going to see and the laws are going to be passed. I'm going to tell you something. The day is going to come. Thus saith the Lord. The day is going to come that this sanctuary will not hold everybody at one time that we all start having two Sunday services, Sunday morning services, like a lot of churches has to do. We'll be having an early service and a later service. I, it, it might not be within a year, not might not be within two years, but it's coming. Something is fixing to explode. And I've already prayed with my heart to God, and I says, God, you change me in any way you want to change me, and don't let me stand in the way of that.